0: This is the Full Frontal Living Podcast. I'm your host, master coach, and emotional resiliency expert, Lisa Carpenter. I'm here to be your guide through real, raw conversations, navigating life as a high achiever. This show covers what it takes to create physical and emotional well being, along with how to honor and partner with your body. I'm here to guide you to a connected relationship with yourself, turning self care into a way of being and not just another task on your to-do list. After all, the things we love, we take care of. This podcast gives you permission to love what you do, but love yourself more. Welcome to the Full Frontal Living Podcast. Hey, hey, listeners! Thanks for tuning into another episode of the Full Frontal Living podcast, and I'm excited today to bring on a very special guest. Uh, this woman has been a client, a friend, a colleague. It's one of those really unique and special relationships where you know we can we can be all things, which not everybody can do in this world we're in these days. However, uh, I am here with Jill R. Stevens. We have been working together since, what did we say, August of 2019?
1: Well, personally, since June of 2019. Yes. Yeah. And then even since January 2019. It's so, crazy. yes. I'll,
0: it's a long time. So, it is. I have had the privilege and the honor of supporting Jill in her journey from hiding in plain what sight a journey. <laughs> to, you know, as of today, your book is officially out on Amazon, create your most delicious life today, your baby is out in the world, not Jill as the ghostwriter, but as you, and mm-hmm. I wanted to bring you on the podcast today because I wanted everybody to hear your story. Now you've been on the podcast before we talked a little bit about perfectionism and such, but I thought that sharing your journey of what it's taking you to come to, to a place of standing in your personal power, knowing who you are now, knowing what you want, being able to vocalize that, the discomfort that's come from that, because of course I've had the uh, behind the scenes view of you unraveling and unhinging yourself from these behaviors and to a place now where, you know, this book didn't just magically appear in the world there's a lot of growth for you in writing the book even in launching the book and it's it's just such a powerful book I've been diving into it and really enjoying it and I'm going to talk a little bit about that more uh, as we dive into the interview but Jill I would love for you to go ahead and share who you are with
1: everybody and then we'll like dive into a really delicious conversation. I love this. Thank you for having me, Lisa. You know, I adore you. And actually Lisa's in the back of the book. So (laughs) because she was such an instrumental player in allowing me to come out of my own creative closet. So I am, have been in the past, a closeted creative. Um, I've been a ghostwriter for more than 20 years. I think it's closer to 30, but (laughs) wow, I know crazy. Right. Um, And I've written for myself, but always under pseudonyms, always under, say, an alter ego, a different name, and always stayed hidden and never, therefore, received the accolades, the praise, paid attention to the process of releasing a book into the world, um, never listened for reviews, for feedback, and just really, and, and it served me. It was a very good thing at that time in my life because it made me a master of my craft. I just focused on writing and I was fortunate and such a good manifester that I had a great relationship with an agent who allowed that to be possible, allowed me just to focus on being the creative force and writing. And she did the rest. So it's been a great marriage, but at the same time, it has allowed me to hide, which kept me small and safe and didn't allow me to expand into my own personal power, into having a voice that others could hear and resonate with, except through a faceless, nameless person Mm -hmm. or through writing the words of somebody else's personal power, if you will. Um, So I think in, in doing that, in being a ghostwriter for others, it was very empowering In writing under pseudonyms, it was very empowering for many years, but it also allowed me to not know myself, to not know what I really wanted and to not know my place in the world um, other than I'm a writer and I get to hide and just enjoy it and have a little secret and giggle behind my hand when I saw somebody with one of my books. So I'm curious to know
0: what, what started this realization that you were living your life kind of hidden from the world? Like what made you wake up to the fact
1: that you are kind of playing this small game? I think it's funny. It's that question. Who am I? Who are you at the end of the day? And, and what do you want? And it's funny. Cause I wrote about that in the book. It's definitely, cause it was a, it's been a question I've been asking myself over and over again, and it's taken me a long time. And I think it resonates with a lot of people because I can tell you what I don't want. But to flip that and tell you what I do want was super hard, (laughs) was just, it was literally impossible. And I can remember my Frenchman, my fabulous Frenchman would ask me, what do you want? (laughs) I'll give you anything you want within my power. And I couldn't answer him. I really didn't know. And that's kind of a lazy answer because on some level I did, but I wasn't able to articulate it, which was and I wasn't able to believe I was worthy enough for it. Therefore, I couldn't articulate it. So, which is funny because here I am a writer. I couldn't find the words to describe who I was, who, how I wanted to show up in the world, um, who I wanted to be. I just kind of floated here, there, and everywhere instead.
0: Right. And what kind of problems did that cause in your life? For people who are listening, going, well, Like, maybe I, maybe I think that about myself. Like what, how is it showing up in your life? How is it showing up in your relationships?
1: Well, I would please everybody. Mm -hmm. And we all know that if you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing no one and least of all yourself. And I really didn't know who I was because I would wear this hat for that person, this hat for this person. I would basically play a character in my own life, depending on who I was dealing with. Um, I had no boundaries, no concept of boundaries. And thankfully through coaching with you, I learned that everybody's not treated equal. Everybody's not, I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody matters, but I don't share the same intimacy with my Frenchman as I do with a contractor working on my little cottage, (laughs) you know, and I didn't realize that I was just overly nice and overly joyful with people and overly accommodating. And I still can fall into this. You know, I, with my husband, we uh, manage property and I have still to this day, I find myself being very nice to tenants. And then, but I used to be hurt when they weren't overly nice back to me. They were nice to me while it served them, but then when it did not anymore, they weren't so nice. So I was constantly in this push-pull of disappointment, of having expectations of others. If I'm showing up nice, then everybody else will show up nice. You know, And it doesn't work that way. And I didn't get it. And I still have to be, aware because I tend to want to believe everybody comes at the world the same way I do, but they don't. Everybody comes at the world, how they view the world. And I think this is a very, um, it might be confusing to other people as well. We, we want to believe that everybody is viewing life the same way we are.
0: Yeah. Yeah which is just not possible because we all come from different beliefs and biases and upbringings and, you know, where we're living in the world and that shapes our reality, but you're correct. Like we often, many people that I work with will show up assuming that other people should see things the way they see things. And I mean, what this last year has really taught us is that, I mean, if you needed evidence of that, there's evidence all over the place. Now you could talk to a hundred different people and they'll all tell you a different story about what they believe to be true about, you know, everything that's happened in the world. One of the things that I really heard when you were talking there, and I see this a lot in the, the men and women that I work with is that everybody else mattered more than you. Oh yeah. And it was finding your way to wait a minute. I get to matter. I get to take up space in this world. And that by you showing up and shining and no longer playing small and hiding, you weren't taking from anybody else. You weren't robbing anybody else of the spotlight or robbing anybody else of being amazing. It was, a, it was about you stepping into, oh, I get to be that amazing human as well.
1: That was a journey to figure that out. Um, I'm very good at stepping into another person's shoes and trying on their flip-flops or their high heels and walking a few steps in their path. You know, I have empathy. And I think when you have empathy, you can try on somebody else's existence, but I used to sink into their existence. I used to lose myself in accommodating, in people-pleasing, in letting go of my own personal power. And... And it so my energy was always up, down. I was always healthy, then sick. I was, you know, my life was a little bit of a roller coaster ride because I didn't stand firm in who I was. I was forever trying to be what other people wanted me to be. The problem is, nobody wanted me to be anything but who I am. But we think, or at least I did, I thought. My dad had certain expectations of me. My husband had certain expectations of me. So I'd show up in that way. And I just constantly would lose myself over and over and over again. It was exhausting.
0: And this is common because we all seek out love, safety, and belonging at the core of who we are. And if we believe that being who we are, isn't enough, we're constantly going to be adjusting who we think we are taking on these other characters in order to seek out that belonging, in order to feel loved, in order to feel safe. And it really happens at a subconscious level and learning how to be in relationship with other people while still staying true to who you are takes a tremendous amount of work, discomfort, you know, inhales and exhales, putting yourself out there and then kind of having that vulnerability hangover where you have to process what just happened, I would love for you to share with my listeners how you now define personal power because I think we talk like we throw around personal power and the self but what the hell does that even mean right so how do you define personal power for you now what does it mean for you to show up in your life in your relationships standing in your personal power
1: yeah you know, personal power for me i used to take two steps forward five steps back Hmm. So I, and there was always this, um, forward motion, then a retreat, 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 retreat. (laughs) I couldn't. And it was just this repetitive thing over and over again. And now instead of retreating, I just stand still. Hmm. I just allow myself to be present and I move forward. I don't run forward because I'm not running toward anything anymore. I'm not seeking answers, validation. I'm not seeking anything outside myself. I'm personal power to me has been finding my default setting. My default setting is joy. It just is <laughs> just, and I think anybody can tap into joy. Joy is a transcendent emotion like love. It just is. It exists. Mm-hmm. So whereas happiness, I believe is circumstantial and it's fleeting. Something externally makes you happy. You feel it and then it's gone. Or it stays for a while, or it comes and it goes. Whereas joy is just a way of being, at least it is for me. And you were the one actually to point out when I'm out of joy, I'm in frustration. And I used to go between frustration and joy. Frustration, it, it, that was my. So whenever I was in joy, I was powerful. Words flowed through me, from me, I was the conduit. You know, everything in my life worked everything, conversations, relationships, everything. When I was in joy, when I was in frustration, everything was hard. Everything was heavy. Everything took longer or felt heavy, but it just, it felt off. Mm -hmm. And that is the definition of me not being in personal power. Yes. When, yes, it's so it's really, but we don't know what we don't know until we know it. Right. And sometimes for me, I really need that funny two by four upside the head, which actually happened to me today. I have the gash to prove it. Sometimes I need that. Like Lisa has been a great mirror for me because she can recognize like, well, is it, you know, is it, um, is it perfectionism or is it your need for excellence? How you came at this book, for instance, is it um, joy you know, because you love what you're doing or frustration because you don't know how to do something or is it frustration because you're out of a task or you're out of joy, you're out of your inner knowing, your inner calling, your, your path really. So you've been a great mirror for me to be able to start to, to ask myself better questions, not ask other people better questions, but start to ask myself. And I think when I stopped retreating two steps in five steps back. When I stopped retreating and stood still, that gave me the space to see where I was leaking personal power, where I was trying to please somebody else or not having a boundary or not being clear in my communication, um, or doing too many things, spinning, Mm-hmm trying all the things, because something must work. And instead, because I took that space in that moment and learned that silence wasn't you know, scary and didn't have to mean I had voices yelling at me in my head, not that I'm crazy, but it felt sometimes like I was crazy because I would have really bad thoughts that you wouldn't even wish on your worst enemy. When I got quiet and I stood still, instead of retreating, instead of forever moving forward and spinning all the plates, in that moment, that space, that breath that you just spoke about, that's where I found myself. And I found that that moment, you've, you've told me once about listening for the refrigerator in the other, which I don't know if that came from you or our, men, our shared mentor Jim. from Jim Fortin. So, and it gave me that moment to listen for that refrigerator, the hum of the refrigerator, the hum of my internal knowing, because I already know what makes me happy. I already know what makes me joyful. I already know what I want out of this life. I already know my Dharma. I don't have to go run for it, search for it. It's not the car keys left under a magazine somewhere, you know, that you can't find. It finds you because it's already within you. And I think that moment of space, that stop of the retreat, the push pull of life that I was constantly doing, that was when I first tapped into my personal power and saw how often I had it and how often I, I chose, I gave it away. Yes.
0: I remember having a conversation with you about this retreating and doing some reframing around it on saying, well, what, you know, what if it's not retreating? What if it's just you taking a pause so that you can check in with yourself around what is working and what's not working. So you can hear your own voice instead of treating it like, Oh, this is a bad thing because whenever we do something expansive in our life, we have to have that contraction yet. Right. You can't have the inhale without the exhale. This is part of the polarity, right? Gravity. If you're going to put it up, it's going to come down. So, you know, watching you learn how to, um, honor, the pause instead of calling it a retreat was really powerful in terms of you standing in your personal power. Also, you know, and we've done a podcast episode on this before, you learning how to set powerful boundaries and understanding that ba- boundaries were about your well being like, what is it that you need to feel good and that it doesn't make you a bitch.
1: Um, That was huge. That That was was a really big part. Right. And I know
0: that still can be a little bit prickly with you when you're creating clarity with people.
1: Absolutely. But I think that's the thing. It's I had a tendency and maybe some of the listeners can resonate with this and people who choose to read my book might resonate with this. I had a tendency to make things bad, to make myself wrong, to make to blame myself, to you know, take out that self-punishment stick and whoop myself a few times with it or a lot with it. That was just my pattern. And breaking that, stopping that allowed me to step into this new version of knowing me, of knowing what I want, of building up my, my personal power, if you will.
0: And I think that that is another good point around, you know, standing in your personal power means offering yourself grace and compassion. We don't yes. need to be hard on ourselves to move forward. That's not personal power. Be, you, being abusive to yourself is not you standing in your personal power. Um, I love yes. that you also said that you learned how to ask yourself better questions because what I saw in you often Is that you would seek the answers in other people and I would never give you the answers because that's not how I coach. (laughs) I very much am like, okay, we'll sit in this discomfort together until you figure this out, however long that's going to take. And that is part of standing in our personal power as well is not being afraid of what we're feeling, not being afraid of the discomfort and staying in that pause until the answer comes and then not questioning right not then getting the answer and then going out and like polling everybody to see if that's the right answer right like so what i witnessed as you were writing this book it's the quietest you've ever been (laughs) because you knew what you wanted. Like you weren't in my Voxer 24-7. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? I Mm -hmm. witnessed you just make decisions, move forward one foot in front of the other. If I had a question for you about something, you knew like straight up, nope, this is is the way I want to do it. This is how I want it to look. This is the colors I want to use. This is the formatting that I want. And I asked you, Jill, how do you know the difference between excellence versus perfectionism, right? Because it's so easy when we're working on projects that we love that we want everything to be just so, but we can use that as a way of not putting our work out in the world. Mm -hmm. So I would love for you to speak on how you've made peace with excellence versus getting caught in perfectionism and how you know the difference.
1: It's fascinating because you were the one and recently really to bring up the word excellence to me. And this goes back to, we don't know what we don't know until we get somebody to hold up a mirror to our fine selves. And we look at it and we're like, oh, I didn't know I had a value that was based in excellence. I just thought I was, you know, always going to be Miss Perfect. And I was going to tone that down a bit because, you know, my story was toned down, Jill. So I didn't really know until very recently that, oh, I value excellence. And there's nothing wrong with that. And excellence to me is having a vision and knowing what you want something to look like at the end of the day or feel like. So for me, for this book, for instance, you know, the title is Create Your Most Delicious Life. Life's a bitch, especially now, make it a joy. I knew what I wanted it to feel like when somebody read. I wanted it to be almost like we were having a conversation on my sofa and it was very intimate and very, and I didn't start this way, but I knew how I wanted the book laid out. I knew how I wanted it to come across. And I didn't dive into tweaking. I didn't dive into wasting time. I didn't dive into hesitation. Those for me are triggers or keys of perfectionism. I didn't dive into frustration. It's not right. I didn't dive into beating myself up about it. It's not good enough. I'm not good enough. I shouldn't even do this, which used to be self-talk. So I think it, you know, the difference between excellence and perfectionism, perfectionism is when you have that negative voice in your head, or you have that, you know that you're not putting it out there when you could. You're using something as an excuse. You're using trying to get it better, right, whatever. Whereas excellence is you have a vision, you know yourself, you know what you want, and it's your Island B and you're on Island A right now. And you're going to get there, even if you have to swim a few hundred laps to do it. And there's that knowing of, okay, when is the lap done? And with this book, you know there are typos in the book. I don't care. <laughs> it makes me human. I really don't care. <laughs> well, I think with excellence as
0: well, you can execute on your vision, but you're not death gripping it as being a certain way. And you, know, you had a book launch date and then another book launch date. And then think like, there's been a lot of things. This has not been like the smoothest launch. And I've literally watched you just be like, well, It is what it is. Whereas the Jill that I first met would have been (gasps) literally you, you would have been losing your absolute shit over this because it wasn't going the way you wanted it to go.
1: Right? Perfectionism is a very close companion with control. And I used to try to control everything, which is that death grip on it all. Right. And yes, the original date for this was eight, eight. 2021 (laughs) and I've never in my 20 plus years of writing more than that have I ever missed a deadline like never I just don't miss deadlines and I missed my own book deadline and And, it was okay
0: and it turned out perfect because here it launched today and we get to do this interview and I feel like I get, you know, I left you a boxer earlier. I feel like I get to sell it. It's like, it's like I birthed the book too. I had nothing to do with the book, but but I get to share in the fact that this got birthed today because I have been on your case for ages about how your work, your words, are going to impact the world, and you hiding was in disservice to the people who need to read your words, hear your words in. Only the way you can write them. Right. And we all have a different resonance. We're all going to resonate with people in a different way. And it was so important that you get your work out into the world. And what there's so many things I love about this book. I love the love that was put into it. Like you can really feel that when you Thank hold the book. And of course I have a advanced copy because I'm special like that. Yes, you are. <laughs> uh, what I was also saying to Jill is her, her vision for this book when you hold the book in your hands, what you'll find is now I've got almost 50 year old eyes. So I'm a little biased this way as well, but I love how it's laid out. It's not this like tiny little print that I want to die reading that it's going to stress out my eyes. It's written almost in like short little essays. So you can pick it up and you can read like three or four or five pages and you can put it back down and then you can come back to it and absorb it. It's not something it's it's just a very easily digestible, enjoyable, beautiful read. Not to mention, you know, the layout, it's just so pretty. Like it's so it's such a it's such delicious. It is a delicious book. It is, what you, book. It is absolutely boxered me. <laughs> it's an absolutely delicious book to read and it's not just content, right? It's it's there's practices in here for people to start to do some of their own work, to reflect, to take the stories that you've shared about your own life, where you've challenged them to think differently about theirs. And then you've given people practices to kind of dig things up, which is what we do as coaches, right? We ask questions. We challenge people to look at their current reality and ask themselves, well, what if that's not true?
1: Right. What if I can have different? Yes, this book. So it's 141 essays. Exactly. It's essays and it's a high page count, but it's not as many words as you'd think. It's under 50,000 words, which is a small book, relatively speaking. Um, Granted, when I wrote this book, it's actually four or five books that I wrote. So more books to come in my name (laughs) very shortly because they're already written, being edited as we speak by Autumn. So. I think what's fascinating is this perfectionism conversation comes back into play with this delicious book, because not only did I create this book for people, but there's also a handbook that you can download for free. That's like a companion to this book that you can write in if you print it out. And it actually has an essay that is a beautiful, did I share that essay with you? I don't know if I ever, the Thanksgiving story, I think I did. I don't know if you remember it. Anyway, there is, I, was, I didn't mean to include something separate from the book in it, but it, it just wrapped everything in this beautiful purple bow, which had to be done. But it also shows me who I am and I'm no, no longer running away from that. I create webs. I create these intricate systems, if you will, you know, not just a book, but a handbook that goes with it, you know, and webpages that go with it and all these things. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I used to make it wrong.
0: Yeah. This book really allowed you to fully embrace all aspects of your creativity which you had again, you know, oh, it's supposed to look like this, this," right? Making it (laughs) wrong or bad. And there's so many creatives out there that are, you know, they have all these ideas and they don't let themselves fully play or they buy into the story that they're not gonna be able to move forward if they've got all these pieces at play. So what I would like to know from you, Jill, is what is the biggest lesson you learned about yourself in
1: writing and publishing this book? What a great question. Okay. So this book, <sighs> originally, this book had very little of me in it. And then all of a sudden I was reading the edited copy. You know, we've edited it a couple of times, gone through it a couple of times. I'm reading it and it's like, it needs a story. It needs a story. A story needs to go here. And all of a sudden I found myself pulling very intimate stories from my life and including them in this book. So in this, in the writing of it, and Autumn, my editor can speak to this even better than I can probably, she, she summed it up in a couple of sentences, but she said, basically, I went from not wanting anything of mine personal in this book, my first book in my name to be published, to making this book really kind of an intimate conversation and very personal on many levels. So I think what that showed me was I became comfortable in my own skin, writing and editing this book. And I don't, as harsh as this sounds, I don't care if you like it, like it, love it, hate it, leave it, pick it up, read it. It's okay. That's none of my business. This is the book I needed to write so that I could be comfortable in my own skin so that I could share fully who I am. This is me like full front to living.
0: <laughs> this book really is a journey into you fully accepting all different parts of you. The and, messy
1: parts. <laughs> and
0: listen, we can't fully share ourselves with the world if we're not accepting of ourselves. And that's really what hiding is about is saying that I don't accept who I am and because I don't accept who I am. I believe you're not going to accept who I am. And this book is just, it's so much about you saying, this is who I am. And like you said, like me, don't like me read it. Don't read it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. So that's, a, that's a lot of expansion to step into, right? We make it sound like it's easy. It's been a journey for you.
1: It's been several years journey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's been a lifetime journey. Let's face it a lifetime journey, but, Yes,
0: but so worth it on the other side, right? To, to see you step into really finally putting yourself out into the world in a way that's going to have a huge impact is just, for me, it's been such a joy to watch.
1: Yes. You know, and I have a, a saying, I, I know that my words, I mean, my words are out there. They sold millions of copies, um, but never as me. And I know my words have impacted, but I've never received the accolades, the praise, the read, the reviews, any of that kind of stuff. Cause it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't fuel my need to write. I just write because I am the conduit. The words must flow through me. That's it. So, um, but I think with this book, my motto in life has always been impact one and I have won. right? The people who have responded kind of like you already have shared your thoughts on the book. It's opening me up again to now I get to receive, I get to learn how to, how to grow and how to be a little bit more uncomfortable in receiving from the people who actually pick up the book and choose to read it. And that's kind of delicious too
0: it is so you make a really good point because there's some people who spend their lives seeking that approval and feedback from other people
1: right oh, I ran from there's it. people
0: who yeah <laughs> literally need that and part of their work is to not need that to feel good about themselves right but seek that approval from themselves, from themselves. yep whereas That's you right. like completely ran from that you could you could have cared less like You know, I think at one point you told me you had letters piled up in a store that you've never read from a storage locker. Yes. And I,
1: yeah, like that kind of thing would scare me. Fangirl stuff like, oh, no, 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 no. Right. You know, or yes. Mm
0: -hmm. So this is really an exercise in you learning to receive. And so many women and even men right? We really need to learn the art of receiving and not making it so like, look at me. I'm so awesome. It's not about that. It's about allowing yourself to receive from other people, whatever it is they're trying to give you and acknowledging that it's safe for you to receive that it's safe for us to receive praise. It's safe for us to receive love. It's safe for us to receive different energies from people if we
1: choose to. And it's not only safe. I love that, but it's safe. Yes, because it wasn't safe for me for some reason. And the reason doesn't matter, but it's also this expansion because as I'm able to receive there the feeling is there that there's a bigger capacity now to give. Correct. It will definitely open me up in so many ways. That's right. It's a beautiful thing.
0: Again, that polarity, right? If you're giving all the time, but you're not open to receiving, you're blocking how that energy is supposed to flow. So people keep giving and giving and giving, and they wonder why they're so depleted. Well, if you're not open to receiving, what does that say about you? And that really does come down to it. When you can't receive, you're looking at, well, how is it that I think and feel about myself that I don't believe I'm worthy and deserving? Of receiving from others. And I know that that was part of your journey as well. So Jill, I would love for you to tell everybody where they can go so that they can buy a copy of your book. By the time this, this podcast will go out on Monday. You're it's we're talking Mm on the Thursday prior, whatever. And I
1: love the synchronicity that this is the day the paperback version went live this morning. It's just perfect. It's perfectly timed. You know, I just love it. So people can find me at jillrstevens.com or I am, know, or on Instagram, I am the joyful writer or my website, my main website is thejoyfulwriter.com. Mm-hmm. And on that page, you'll be able to find this book and soon more books will be coming your way. <laughs> they can also go right to direct to Amazon as well, right? And just yes. Google or
0: Google, go to Amazon <laughs> and search. Create Your Most Delicious <laughs> Life by Jill R. Stevens. Uh, you have it in paperback. You have it a Kindle version. Yes. And you also are in the works of a hard hardcover as well, are you not?
1: A hardcover will come. I'm not sure when. And an audio version will come as well.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And then they can get on your newsletter list so they know when the next books are coming out.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Wow.
0: I'm so glad you came back on the show. I'm so glad that I got to celebrate this with you. So fun. I love that all my clients are doing such phenomenal things in the world, each in their own right. But this, your particular journey has just been, it's just been such a pleasure to witness you unfold. And I can't wait to see what you expand into next. So thanks so much for being here, Jill. I know that your this conversation is gonna impact a lot of people. I know that your book is going to have a huge impact for the people who choose to pick it up. And I really do hope everybody listening heads over to Amazon and grabs their copy.
1: Thank you, Lisa. And, you know, thank you. I think you do know, but it's also worth saying again, the impact that you have had on my life has been phenomenal and huge. You're just an amazing woman, amazing presence and an amazing coach and friend. And I am just honored that you're a part of my life. So thank you for having me today and every day. I will receive that. Thank you so much, Jill. And I will
0: see everybody else or you will hear me on the next, I always say that I'm like, I'll see you on the next episode exactly. and you won't see me, but you'll hear me, <laughs> but you can come and find me on Instagram. You can find Jill on Instagram. If you want to see us, that's where you can find us. All right. Have an amazing day. Everybody remember only you can decide that you're going to matter in your own life and make yourself a priority. So I really, truly hope you step into that more. I will talk to you on the next episode.